Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, show 51. Rob Jones is in the gym. I am. <laughs> I am back to my well-known habitat of home office. <laughs> we, um, yeah, we're not actually, we could sit together, but we're not today because you left the gym. So we've gone yeah. back to old school Zooming. Yes, okay. And, maybe a little bit better quality this way. Maybe. And it doesn't actually matter because our guest this week is in the UK and he will also be zooming in at some stage. Exactly. And it also lets me eat my lunch in record time before I jump on <laughs> and not have to sort any other audio equipment out. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a nightmare. And we have to run across to the office to try and find headphones. And, oh, just a mess. We, we shouldn't do that. We'll stick to this. this. This works well. So, mate, at least once a day this week, I've thought back to Josh Stinton, who we had on last week, of him mm. just running through the air on a treadmill. What? What, where's your mind gone since that show? I'm still, I'm still wondering in my head what happens if he just falls off. Is there just going to be a blimp floating through the sky with a treadmill on it and no human? What is it like space junk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then eventually it would just, the helium would, you know, like balloons just sort of fall to the floor. Eventually mm. someone's just going to end up with a treadmill in their garden, like a, a prize. I like the way you imagine that, like floating down into their driveway or garden. And in yeah. reality, it just goes through the roof. <laughs> Maybe. But in my head, it doesn't pop. It just slowly floats. And someone's like, oh, new Amazon delivery or something, you know. Someone's like trying to argue with their partner why they don't, why they can't afford a treadmill. They're like, they don't just fall out the sky. And the next thing. Bang. There it is. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah, if you haven't heard last week's show, go back, listen. You might be, um, well, amazed. I think we were. <laughs> yeah, I'm for it. still speechless. The other thing just to remind people of is Project DXB is now open. You can apply, send us a message, endurance at innerfight.com, and we will send you the link to the application form for you to apply to get into the running shape of your life in three months, working with Mr. Rob Jones, who you all know from the podcast, myself and Steph, our brand new running coach. Head on over there and... Yeah, we will send you a message back. You go through the application process. And then if you are picked, you get to be on Project DXB. Definitely. Excellent. Right. We have our guest here. We will get into the interview very shortly. Stand by. Christian, welcome onto the Run Strong podcast. Good to be here, Tom. So the background nice to Christian... You. I'm taking full credit for getting Christian. We have a bit of back and forth over how we get our guests. And this one is definitely mine. There's an interesting story. I was looking, I heard a podcast and it was talking back about Innovate Shoes. And I used to wear Innovate Shoes for, uh, for training and for CrossFit. And then I started following Innovate again on Instagram. And Innovate put up a great, a great big post about Christian because he just completed something pretty spectacular. So I went to Christian's Instagram, followed him on Instagram, sent him a message, and here he is today. As Rob's second ever guest in 51 <laughs> shows. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so you guys have more. this kind of, this is not just in a fight, but in, in a, a competition between yourselves over <laughs> who gets the guests. Sounds Definitely. like Tom's reeling them in. As, as yeah. you're... <laughs> Everything yeah. is a competition. On, uh, on Thursday night, we were running an event all through the night. And at 5 a.m., the competition was who's going to crack and drink coffee first. Well, who cracked? Me. <laughs> I, didn't. 
I went a whole uh, a whole next day. It wasn't until Saturday morning I had a coffee actually. Um, I think I I think I would have cracked first as well. I do love my coffee. <laughs> you had no benefit from not having coffee. I went straight to sleep when I went home anyway, so it didn't really matter. True, it true. works. Anyway, Christian, we've got you on to talk about you. So first of all, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Why have we got you on the Run Strong podcast? <laughs> yeah, um, well, my name is Christian Morgan. Um, I'm known as, I guess, Christian Ultra on across social media. Uh, Christian is spelt with a K. Um, I'm 43 years old. I currently reside in London, United Kingdom. Um, I have... I started off boxing about 20 years ago. And as part of the training, we used to run down to the local pub. Um, and uh, I think it was that year, the year 2000, I saw an advert in the local paper uh, that there was going to be a marathon. And uh, so I, I went ahead and entered it. Um, and that changed my life. So 20 years on running is my I guess my profession in terms of my hobby and what I do to, I'm an online running coach. So I draw my income from it. It's my passion and hobby. And, and in 2016, that my first marathon, I went back and it was my hundreds and I won it as well. So it was a pretty sweet story. And then that's led me to all sorts of things like ultra endurance event, being invite, invited out to America to help pace cows Bay on the Appalachian trail I guess, which sparked my love for the long distance trail. And then, as you guys know, I just set a new FKT on the Southwest Coast Path. So that was quite a quick introduction to who I am and what I've done. But pretty much in a nutshell, that's me. It's quite a lot to unpick out of that, isn't there, Tom? <laughs> Amazing. I, I'm absolutely obsessed with the Appalachian Trail. And I've done a lot of reading books and things. My favorite one is Bill Bryson when he walks it. Yeah, it's, it's a good the one. comedy value of it. Um, and yeah, the, the coast path running, having been brought up on and running my first marathon on coast path. I'm interested nice. to hear about that story as well, because that is brutal. Yeah. I, okay. So for people out there listening, the Southwest coast path is Britain's longest national trail. Um, there's about 16 national trails. This one's 630 miles long. Uh, yeah. And it is along the coast. Um, it's that bottom left part of England that juts out to land's end and you've got Devon and Cornwall. And it, it's a pretty, rem there are some pretty remote parts and it's very um, undulating. So for the duration of the coast path, I've heard people say, I think the calculation is you're getting about four times Everest in elevation gain and loss. Um, and it, it's a beautiful part of the country. Um, yeah, that, that's the Southwest Coast Path, yeah. And you, and you said the FKT, so 630 miles, it's, I did a quick calculation earlier for the, our, our metric friends over here. It's 1,008 kilometers. Okay, gotcha, yeah. Wow, and you managed to do that in just, a, it was a little over 10 days, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit over 10 days. Um, so you, I, I guess I was averaging about 100K every day. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and, the, and the previous record holder, um, a super... Um, I guess uh, just impressive athlete, really, Damien Hall, because he's got quite a, a few records. Also, he's quite known for finishing fifth at the UTMB. Um, 
recently broke a 30-year-old record, which was broken one week before, I guess, uh, by a fellow called John Kelly, who's one of the only Barkley marathon finishers, if anyone's heard of the Barkley marathons. Uh, Damien Hall went and broke um, that. That's the Pennine Way, 268-mile uh, um, Britain's oldest trail. So yeah, get going up against Damien, you know, I had a live track going, Damien was on there. I had all his GPX data loaded up. And, uh, so it was racing against Damien to break the Southwest Coast path records. It was really good fun. And I think I've had a lot of feedback since and a lot of people enjoyed following that tracker, you know, hit and refresh. <laughs> so I we, guess, go on, sorry, go. I was going to say, were you going to do this despite the COVID-19 year or is it something that you've just decided to do last minute? Yeah. Um, in 2018, I'll go back a little bit. I get, I got to in, in 2017. Um, I'll go, I'll go right back. Um, in, in 2016, I met Carol Sabay in the desert whilst doing marathon de Sables. Carol Sabay, uh, and me just got on really well outside of our tent mates and we'd sit and we'd talk and, talk about long trails and Carol would talk about a trail called the PCT, um, which is short for the Pacific Crest Trail on the west side of America, uh, covering the entire distance of America from um, border to border, Mexico to Canada. And um, uh, he told me he was gonna run hike this. And then a few months later, I saw a Strava post and uh, it said that Carol Sabay breaks Pacific Crest Trail fastest known time breaks records, you know? So I contacted him. He said, yeah, hi, Christian, good to hear from you. Thanks for your congratulations. By the way, in 2018, I'm gonna go out to America and I'm gonna go for the Appalachian Trail, which I think at the time was held, the record was held by Scott Jurek, which mm -hmm. he's a pretty cool runner. And um, I uh, said, w w he asked me if I'd like to come out and pace. I said, of course I would. So I went out and helped pace Carol. I did 15 days with him on the trail running with him. In 2018, I got inspired. 2019, I went for my own attempt on the AT, and it just didn't work. Uh, didn't have the crew right. It was a supported attempt. And then this year, I should have gone out there again. But yeah, due to COVID, bit of a last-minute decision to uh, do something epic, which is the longest trail in Britain. So yeah, come about April, I decided to go for it. And so it was pretty recent. I decided to go for it. Yeah, it wasn't. It was due to COVID, yes. Yeah, and, and definitely epic. I've um, done the Atlantic Coast Challenge, which is North Cornwall to South Cornwall. You finish at Land's End over three days. Yeah, I've done that. That is tough in itself. And you've done triple, no more. Yeah, Four times, well, that's five about times 70, that. Yeah, that's like 78 miles and I've done 630. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, way more. Yeah. But you've, and you've done it the, the other way, but... I just think to people to understand what you're running on when you say coast path, because yeah. path sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Like, you know, there's a nice yeah. path laid out for you. It, it's not like you're up and down, especially down that area. You're at some point scrambling rocks and things, aren't you? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, it's really technical in some areas, you know, um, but I like that. I really do. Honestly, if it was a tarmac path, it would drive me insane, you know, um, I really like the fact that you have to use your, I really think that trail running is a really special way of helping you to um, use your brain to interact with the terrain and keep you thinking. Um, whereas, and I, I do like road running as well, but it's less, 
like almost um, meditative. You know, you, you can kind of just run, look up ahead and, and not really think about each footstep. But no, the technical trail does get you thinking. Yeah. I, my question is, how on earth do you even break down running 100 kilometers or 630 miles or a day? How, how, do you, how did you split it up? How do you train for something of that magnitude across terrain that's that brutal? Yeah, actually, man, that's, uh, a lot of people think, I guess, oh, it's quite physical. Maybe a lot of people don't think that. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But um, you could perceive this as a physical challenge. It's a huge mental undertaking. I mean, how you break this down psychologically. Uh, first of all, to be honest, I couldn't. I had to just think. So day one was all about matching what Damien had did, which was a 70 mile day um, to get to an area called Swanage. So like I've got to run 70 miles in one day just to be on par with Damien. Uh, how did I get through that mentally? I, I guess I was excited on day one, you know, um, and I suppose the anticipation, I was fresh. But as time went on, I, I couldn't really think about the end, you know. Um, I really just used things to bring myself back to the moment. So often one of the things which would come to mind would be, how cozy my bed is at the end of the night. And, and when I say cozy, guys, I'm talking about an air mattress in a tent outside. But believe me, man, after running for like whatever it was, 16 hours, that is like a five-star hotel. So yeah, using little carrot dangling methods to think, or, or, or even breaking it down even shorter, not thinking about the whole day. But I was starting at 3.30, wake up 3.30, start running at 4 a.m. And my... My, so my first three hours of the day were with a head torch in darkness. So really the first thing I looked forward to each day was sunrise. Yeah. You know, I broke it down that much. That, okay, so I'm looking forward to sunrise. And then sunrise comes and it's like, okay, so the next three hours are going to be pretty cool. And it's cool as in the temperature is going to be quite cool. But, uh, you know, come around 11 o'clock, we did have a bit of a heat wave. And then I knew then from 11 till three, it was just about surviving the heat so I really broke it down, um, uh, you know, via sunrise, uh, getting through the heat of the day, enjoying the cooler uh, later evening hours, looking forward to sunset um, and then kind of, OK, putting the head torch on and doing a couple of hours of running in the dark. I really broke it down that much. I, I couldn't think of the end. It's too big a goal. Mm -hmm. Wow. And um, in terms of then, you know, if you were based in London beforehand, how do you train for that much undulating elevation and terrain well yeah definitely i guess uh 20 years of experience of um you know running and trail running um and being uh, running all over the world america the uk all over europe uh india um you know pretty much everywhere and then all the ultras i've done you know i've done some epic ultras a big 200 mile race in italy called tour of giants you guys or whoever's listening might want to look that up tour of giants it's pretty amazing um, and then when I'm not out in, I don't know, India or Australia or somewhere, I'm in a little, yeah, I'm in a, a place called Dulwich in London and there's a hill and I'm not joking. I just go up and down that hill, like at someone possessed, but I, f I find a real solace in that hill. And often I could be away in a beautiful part of the world. And I think I miss my little rock. It's called rock hill and I miss my rock hill. Um, and it consists of, 
Um, I think the length of it is about 30 meters and the elevation gain is about 20 meters. So I'm just going up and down that. And I don't count how many reps I, reps I just go by hours. So that's how I get my elevation gain. In. Do, you have, do you have the FKT for that hill? I should do. Actually, my friend Carol Sabay, um, as I said, has got the FKT for the Pacific Crest Trail and the Appalachian Trail, has a, um, a, a hill in Belgium now named Mount Carol Sabay because it's pretty flat where he trains. So I'm kind of hoping that um, if uh, I hit the big time, I'm going to get Rock Hill uh, renamed to uh, Mount Morgan or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> when, uh, for, when, when Tom Evans was... FKT is fastest known time. Fastest known time. Yeah, we should put that out there for people. Yeah. FKT is an acronym for the um, words fastest known time, which was coined by someone called Buzz Burrell, who um, has a website called fastestknowntimes.com. And yeah, it's pretty epic. Guys, go and have a look and search in your area for an FKT and go after it. Yeah. I was going to say, um, when Tom Evans was training for UTMB, which then he went and, and won the CCC race, he came over to Dubai for a short while, um, trying to look for a training terrain. I think ultimately he wanted, it was ready to try and get him ready for um, someone in America that he went and did. The name's just completely gone. America. West, um, Western um, States. Western States. So he was looking for a training ground for Western States. And there's a big hill in a place called Shoka that everyone goes to train called Mother Hump. And it's, it's about a kilometer long with about 130, 140 meters of elevation. Um, and he's got the FKT for that. And no one now can get close. He's got like a minute 30 on everyone. <laughs> and I don't even think he was trying. Yeah, he's a pretty talented runner. That, um, so, yeah, I think he came fourth at Western States and he mm. trained in Ethiopia for that, where I used to live. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's someone who's focused, dedicated and also has raw talent as well. What an amazing runner, for sure. So I want to go more into detail about the Southwest Coast Path. So you, you planned it out. You're looking at Damien Hall's first day. You're on track. What's, how do you plan your sleeping strategy and your, your nutrition for something that long? Knowing that when, when people run ultras, there's so many variables that can mess up even in just one day's race. How do you plan for 10 days without anything going wrong? Well, I do like what Damien said himself. Um, uh, he, he, I think they made all these plans because he did it joint with someone who had to pull out halfway along um, and they made all these plans. And then he said, by the halfway point or something, all the plans went out the window. So I think, uh, oh, also just to mention that this was a supported fastest known time. Uh, and my support is my mother, uh, Sharon Mullen, who's an amazing uh, mother, an amazing friend, and, a, and an amazing adventurer also. Uh, she she uh, managed to support me, you know. Uh, and just for anyone who's wondering, there's three different types of FKTs. Uh, I'll come to your question in a second. Um, no you've got um, unsupported, which is where you have to carry everything and only collect water from natural water sources. So if you take a bar from someone, uh, it becomes self-supported. Okay. And then self-supported is where you can resupply at shops or maybe someone could hand you a, a bar, but then supported is fully supported where um, someone might meet you and you've got a rental van and in the van, you know, you've got all your food, all your socks, clothes, trainers, and, and so on. So I went for a supported attempt. My mother supported me 
and uh, yeah, we planned out together. But at the same time, we also didn't have a set finish time at the end distance location at the end of each day. So we kept it open for the way we and I were feeling, you know, because if I was feeling really strong one day, I pushed on. And if I was feeling a little less strong, I wouldn't uh, go so far, you know, um, and, and there were ferry crossings. So it's quite logistical. You have to um, if you get to an area where there's a river because it's a coastal path um, you and there's a ferry, you know, some of these river crossings are one mile wide. You, you have to go on the ferry and that's part of the record attempt. But if you get there outside of ferry operating hours, then you have to run down to the uh, ocean or the, the river where you would get on the ferry, run back to the van, jump in the van, drive all the way around um, get out the van, run back down to the point where you would step off the ferry um, and then continue on your journey. So there's all sorts of things that are thrown into the Southwest Coast path. And obviously you don't always arrive when it's open. So um, we had to kind of think on the fly. Uh, but in terms of how did we plan? Yeah, food. Uh, I, I, you know, I have played an, an, an experience being vegan for a while, but I just wanted this attempt to have no restrictions. So I basically um, ate anything and everything, uh, and I had no restrictions. I know Scott Jurek did the Appalachian Trail, fully vegan, which is pretty awesome. Um, but I didn't want to put any restrictions in my path. So I, I ate meat, uh, you know, vegetables, uh, sweet, savory, pretty much everything. McDonald's, uh, crisps, chips, mushy peas, um, uh, energy bars, chocolate, uh, pork scratchings, uh, sports drinks, water, uh, you know, just kind of like everything. But what I didn't do was I didn't stuff my face. So there's this thing that Carl Meltzer um, says, who's got the southbound fastest known time on the Appalachian Trail, don't feast or famine. So don't let yourself go hungry. And at the same time, don't stuff your face. So you're constantly putting in little bits of food and you just build, you know, keeping your energy levels topped up. Um, sleep. Uh, I had a great, I wanted to sleep outside. I did get offered sleep in the van some nights. My mother slept in the van and I was like, no, I just, I want to sleep outside. I like the fresh air. Um, so it worked well for me. Um, I didn't get a puncher in the air mat, which was cool. I had, uh, a, like a little camping pillow, uh, sleeping bag wide foot at the bottom. I don't like those mummy ones where you kind of got the, the ankles touching each other. I feel a bit restricted. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's loads of stuff to plan, but at the same time, you can plan, but you have to be prepared to just go and make decisions on the fly as well. Yeah. And Sorry, kind I, of like a bit of a long-winded answer no, okay. to your question. And was there anything that you hadn't expected that cropped up that you had to think on the fly to try and solve? I think the biggest obstacle for me, and there were many, Right. But if I'm into terms of the size of the obstacles presented would have been um, I was ahead of Damien by about 20 kilometers, uh, pretty much by day nine. And on the end of day nine, towards the end, sun uh, was well up in the sky. I saw my mother for the last time, Sharon. And I was like, OK, she said it's seven miles to the next uh, meet point. So I said, OK, cool. I don't need my head torch. I've got a good few hours before sunset. I did need my head, tor head torch. Um, no one was really to blame. It was 10 and a half miles and it was a really um, undulating area. So I had to use my iPhone um, as a torch. And I, as I was descending, because I was more 
in a bit of a rush to get to the meet point because I, I I didn't want to be running with my iPhone torch too long. I um, landed in, I, I suppose I was descending a bit too quickly. You have to be, you can't descend this like you're doing a 5k, you know, you have to descend with bearing in mind that your quads are taken in at, at, at like 11, uh, what is it? Um, 11,000 feet of elevation climb every day. So I had to descend gently, but on this particular occasion, I was coming down faster than I should have kind of tweaked my right quad. And when I got into the meet point, um, I realized that I didn't have the full range of movement anymore. And I was kind of limping with my right leg. So I said, okay, let's go on two miles. Um, let's see how my leg is to another meet point. I went, I, I did the two miles. I realized uh, it kind of was getting worse. And I thought I'll take this opportunity to lose a bit of my lead, but have five hours sleep instead of the four and a half I'd been having. So I had five hours sleep, fingers were crossed. I woke up in the morning to hope that I'd healed overnight with my quad, but it wasn't <laughs> the case. And um, I had 111 miles left to go. And what I did was I was like, okay, I'm about to start a hundred mile because my intention was to do it in one push. And I don't have the full use of my right leg, but my mindset was, and this is how I overcame the challenge was, okay, I do have some range of movement left in my right leg and I'm going to, um, I'm going to, uh, what's the word? Uh, well, just use that range of movement I have and not think about what I don't have. Uh, so I kind of like was descending sideways. Um, I couldn't put my right leg behind me. Then there was a section of that day I had to just hike some flat concrete because I couldn't jog. Um, and then towards the end of the night, I got joined by a, uh, a runner, uh, a random runner whose name was Jonathan. And he started me back running again. I don't know. It was just something he brought to the expedition, which was pretty cool. Uh, some kind of mindsets and winning mindsets like, come on, you got to do this. And yeah, I started running again. So yeah, long-winded answer again, but my biggest obstacle was that quad injury, which healed pretty much uh, by the uh, about two or three days afterwards. But it did take away my full range of movement for my right leg. So yeah, it was pretty crazy starting a hundred miler at the end with a bad leg. Starting a hundred miles injured. Yeah, I know. You know, so next time I start a hundred miler and I'm fully, you know, uh, fresh, fresh legs with no injury, I'm like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I suppose as well, it puts into perspective some people that they'll drop out of races when they feel the slightest bit of pain and perhaps it's not as bad as it could be. It's just their mind telling them that they should, they should yeah. slow down or they should stop and really they can keep going. Yeah, I spoke with a fellow after um, called uh, Ed uh, and uh, he was in the army when he was younger um, and he said the Royal Marines, I think, are the highest level you can get in the UK. And um, he said you've got something called battle fitness, Christian. I was like, well, what the heck is battle fitness? And he said, battle fitness is when you are able to keep moving forward whilst injured. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll take that. Sounds cool. <laughs> and he said, because in, in volatile situations, the Marines, you know, may be injured. They could be carrying a, they could be injured themselves and they could have to kind of carry a, a comrade, you know, uh, or they could try and have to escape a situation while injured. So yeah, it's kind of at what point, at what injury do you allow it to stop you? And I realized the big thing takeaway for me was if I couldn't move forward, I was going to stop. But as long as I could move forward, I wasn't going to quit. And that's what really just, uh, I'd never tapped into that before. And yeah, it's got a name, I guess it's called battle fitness. Battle fitness. Mm. Fantastic.
Christian, I want to talk about the Appalachian Trail a bit more then. Let's go for it. Yeah. 2021 is your plan. Yeah. This year, this year was, it was your plan to do it. Were you training for it this year or did you, did, uh, was it March time that you knew you weren't going to do it? So you stopped training as much. Do you want to save some fitness for it or was it all go full go for this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I knew I wasn't going to do it, it was a pretty hard pill to swallow. Um, but, you know, everyone in the in the country, in the world had to swallow some kind of difficult pill. You know, everyone had something taken away from them, which wasn't, um, which was due to COVID or whatever. Um, difficult situations, new restrictions. So, yeah, anyway, I got over it. And like, you know, it wasn't long before I was looking to Britain's longest national trail. So I kept on training with um, the same mindset of going after a long trail. Uh, so, so the training continued when I, when I found out I couldn't go to America, I just set my sights on a different target. And are you going to run it from South to North or North South? No, I'm always, uh, wanting to go Northbound. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 at the end of the Northbound journey, uh, so starting in Georgia and ending up in Maine, uh, is a mountain called Mount um, Katahdin. And, uh, you know, when I was running this Southwest Coast path, I didn't mean to um, visualize me at the finish and visualize me talking to people, you know, like you guys on the podcast now. But this was almost like it was natural. These, these thoughts of victory and this visualization of victory was naturally coming into my mind. And one of the things about the Appalachian Trail and heading north and getting to the top of Katahdin I've just mentally visualized it that way. So it would just feel wrong to start at the finish and go south, you know, even though there's good arguments for going south and my, you know, Carl Meltzer has potentially recommended I should go south. And, but no, I think in my heart and, and so on, I really want to head north. And you say it's going to be supported and you, you attempted that before with the crew and you said you didn't get the crew right. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I chose, uh, well, my mother, at the end of the day, you have to take what you've got. Someone, uh, you don't get many people saying, right, I'm going to take six weeks out of my life to come and cater for your every need. Uh, if you look at all the past record holders, um, it's either been spouses, um, uh, parents, or uh, the closest friends, you know, who support these kind of attempts. So my mother was there for me from day one. She was like, in fact, she, you know, she's like, I'll come out with you. I'll do this. Um, and then the other person I chose is Megan Rock, my cousin, uh, who at the time was 18. Now, my first mistake was choosing the second support um, and not having a driving license. So it meant that all the driving, and there's a heck of a lot of driving, yeah. was down to one person. They can't rest when they're tired. They can't function properly when they're, they're tired. So straight away, I mean, you could say that that was my biggest mistake, you know, not choosing to... Uh, license holders um, and then a multitude of other things due to tiredness and, and, and not being able to share the driving and, and it just snowballed and just turned out to be I think if you make a, a, a mistake that big from the start you're kind of asking for it and, and it was a multitude of other problems um, which just like I said snowballed and ended up just on day uh, four um, I was about four I think four or six miles short of where Carol Sabay made it to that day um, the support wasn't happening how I wanted it to happen. I called it. Um, I went to a motel, but then I carried on again the next day. I lost a few more miles, I think. And then by day six, 
it got to the point where my cousin Megan, I looked at her and I thought, right, she's got to go home. And I said to my mom, said, right, it's over um, now. And, and she's got to go home. Meg's got to go home. So uh, we slept on it. I woke up. It was the same decision. We went to McDonald's, spent hours and hours on our laptops, ordered an Uber, paid for all the flights and everything. And Megan said goodbye in an Uber. And it was just me and my mum then. So yeah, it was my personal mistake of, and it wasn't Megan's, uh, you know, I'd painted this picture of come out to America. It's going to be awesome. We're going to trail run. It's not that at all. Supporting someone is not pretty. Um, so yeah, I take full responsibility of my choice of incorrect choice of crew. And that's what happened. Yeah. I, I always think your crew, when you have crew for something like this, your crew have to be able to have the difficult conversations with you and almost convince you when you're dead set on something that you're completely wrong. So they need to be very strong-willed and very strong-minded. And sometimes yeah. maybe family just aren't the people to have as that, as that person. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, it depends. I mean, obviously there's going to be a, a, a I think it, it is a difficult dilemma. There's never been a mother and son. There's been father and son, but there's never been mother and son. So, you know, it is like, oh, my son's hurting or something. But I think my mom's pretty awesome in the fact that she definitely gets the best out of me you know and uh no I, I think it was down to it wasn't the fact that she was family it was more uh i think that not having a driving license for megan uh, young inexperienced and also me painting the wrong picture of really what lay ahead for her for the six weeks um because i mean scott durek you know wife i mean you, you wouldn't think your wife could come out and create sure. you know uh carl Meltzer had his dad out there and his best friend um uh, Jennifer Far Davis uh, had a um, husband out there, so not necessarily not family, but it, it can be family. Can, fam, family can be the right crew, but my crew wasn't the right one, not due to family, but due to other reasons. Thinking forward, then, have you got a crew ready for next year? So my mum came out and paced the not paced, sorry, crewed the uh, <laughs> Southwest Coast Path. Uh, she got me to the finish line. Um, she did her part. I did my part. We worked well as a team i mean actually you know when you've got a team of basketball players or football players or ice hockey or whatever and and the, the puck or the ball or whatever is like flowing and, and and no one's really making any conscious decisions but the game's flowing and the, you're getting the points it's a little bit like it was with me and my mom on the um, southwest coast path we're out there i would come in you know she would have what i needed i would change my pack i would have some food and i'd carry on and there was this kind of sense of teamwork and it kind of made things flow. Um, I'm not saying it was all roses, you know, we did have some arguments, but, but at, so do we, so do everybody. Um, and uh, so, yeah, she's going to come out to the Appalachian trail. It would be cool to have a second person. Cause I really believe this is a, a two person job. Um, but yeah, she's going to be my primary support for next year on the, on the AT. Yeah. So uh, openings for anyone who wants to, if you've got a driving license and you've got six weeks spare <laughs> and you like yeah, you can send stops. in your applications, I'll be happy <laughs> to go through them one by one. <laughs> Another thing I'd like to mention is last year I did fund the entire, um, uh, uh, you know, expedition myself. And um, as, as you do, it's your own hobby. It's a personal hobby, but next year I've decided uh, I, you know, I want to get funding for this. So I've created a GoFundMe page which sits on the home page of my website so you know anyone listening to this who wants to try and you know help get me out to america it's quite easy you just go and visit my website um, which is christianultra.com spelt with a k 
yeah, and you'll see it on the homepage. And man, send over $2 or $3 enough for a cup. If enough people do that, I'll get the funding and I'll be able to get out there and, you know, uh, not have the stress of kind of trying to use credit cards and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, it's. I've just been on there actually, ChristianUltra.com, and you're there rocking a sick mustache as well. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? I tell you what, I've had a couple of requests to bring that back. I think you should, mate. Definitely, definitely. It's definitely a good ultra stash. Like you look, <laughs> look the part. Anyway, <laughs> totally clean shaven on the uh, on the chin and a big. Hey. Uh, furry walrus moustache going right over the bottom lip yeah <laughs> we had uh we had sir brendan foster on over the summer and he was telling the story about his iconic moustache and it was just literally somebody had snapped it at the wrong time and then he'd shaved it off the next day oh, and no. all he got known for was that moustache that was a bit of a story i got to date end of day like towards the end of day four on the appalachian trail last year and this girl um i forget her name but she came out with either a friend or a boyfriend and she'd been following me and she came out to run with me. I feel really sorry for her. I was having a real bad low at the time. Um, I hadn't adhered to the don't feast or famine and I just feast, sorry, like famine through the Smoky Mountains, not eating or drinking enough. Big 33 mile stretch uh, there. And um, yeah, I got through and I'd shaved my moustache off a few days before and she, she turned up, she's like, Where's your moustache? Like, and I felt like such a fraud. I was like, oh, <laughs> but I mean, not only can am I failing right now, I don't even have a moustache. You know, I'm such a failure. <laughs> That's the only reason she came out was to get a selfie with the moustache. I tell you what, I felt like such a fraud. I grew it back, I think, quite soon after that. And now I've shaved it off again. What the hell? <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I sort of got a question similar to how what Rob asked for your, um, for the Southwest, uh, trail attempt how are you breaking this down in your mind question one and two what does your training look like for something like this when i was out with carol sabay 2018 you know he set the record on the at um i was there this is a successful fastest known time attempt i was there from his day 11 uh to his day 26 i was there 15 days i ran um in between 50 and 60k every day uh, with him so i didn't do the full day um he was running i think just short of 90k every day um so i was doing a big chunk like two-thirds of the day so i learned a lot from carol um and uh one of the things i noticed you know i just quietly absorbed everything and i often ran behind him 95 percent of the time so you know he was visual he was in front of me and uh he said to me as soon as i arrived on day 11 his day 11 my day one he said christian uh, if you don't mind, I would prefer you not to mention what mile we're at, how much elevation we've gained um, and kind of what time of day it is and how far we've got to go or anything like that. And I was like, cool, I'm good with that. You know, I'm happy with that. Um, and, and, okay, and, and I did uh, follow his instructions and I didn't mention the time. And I realized that was Carol's way of mentally just appreciating where he was and being in the moment without thinking, without counting up or counting down. So when some random person did hear about the attempt and come and join us, there was a few people and um, even one of the support guys was like, oh, we've gained like 3000 feet elevation or, oh, we've got five miles left to go to this checkpoint. It would kind of suddenly bring me and Carol both out of the moment and and suddenly you're aware of time and, and distance and, and uh, 
Yeah, I think one of my coping strategies was also borrowed from Carol's that you kind of don't really want to think about the numbers too much. And this might not work for everyone, but you kind of just want to appreciate that stretch of trail in front of you. Um, You know, the wind on your skin, maybe um, what's happening right there. And then it does sound a little bit cliche, but you want to kind of be, um, what do they call it? Mindful, you know, as much as possible to when you're mindful, believe me, it's a bit like this. If you watch a clock for an hour, that's going to be a really long hour. But if you read a book, do some gardening, go ahead and do some painting, that hour will fly by. And that's kind of the same as ultra running. Yeah, that's a very good way of thinking about it, actually. Yeah. Love that. So in that sense, then, for you to train for something like this, do you just wake up in the morning and go, my legs feel like this, I'm going to run for this much today, or my legs feel a bit crap, maybe I'll just pop down the road and back up? Yeah, so there's, definitely, there's a couple of different camps, isn't there? Sorry, that was your question, the second question, training. Yeah, I know Courtney DeWalter is pretty famous for not knowing how far she's going to run when she leaves the door, you know, one of America's best trail runners. Um, and, and she doesn't have, uh, she's not a numbers person. She just goes out there and runs how she feels. Um, and then there's other people who like have a spreadsheet and it says you're running 15 miles on this day and you're running 20 two miles on that day. I think I lie somewhere in the middle. I know I have to get long runs in. Um, uh, There's other ways of training as well. I used a lot of um, alternate methods besides running to train for this. I used some mental strength um, training tactics. Um, One of the things I used was cold water swimming. I had a set time that I would need to be outside swimming in this pool uh, in London. You know, it's pretty cold and, uh, uh, I've swim for 30 minutes and eventually after like about 15 minutes, my fingers would turn white. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I'd like, I can't do this, but I pushed through the, the thought, the mental thought and the physical feeling that I couldn't do it. So I got through the other side of it. Well, hold on. I'm not going to die. Your hands are cold, but so I, I used mental strength training with cold water swimming, uh, to, to build my mental strength. I also uh, did strength training uh, three times a week. And I just do anyway, because I believe a strong runner is better than a weak runner. Um, I don't think running actually makes you strong, um, but strength training does. So I use strength training. Uh, my weekly mileage actually um, surprisingly was quite low. I was running 60 miles a week, which isn't really very much. Um, but I was focusing on other areas like strength, swimming and yoga. And then, yeah, the other thing was yoga to have a peaceful mind and grow the, my patience, you know, patience is something which we, uh, ultra runners really need to have. And the more you can practice being patient, um, the more likely you are to be outside all day and be all good with it. So um, a a different uh, approach, but did I, yeah, sorry, you asked, did I have a set training program? No, I kind of, I knew I had to strength train a couple of times a week. I I knew I wanted to swim a couple of times a week. I knew I wanted to hit a certain amount of elevation and distance. And then I would just do that how I felt during the week, but not really hit certain workouts on certain days. Do you have a coach? No, I'm self-coached. Um, but what I did do was I got in contact with um, the people who had uh, set the Southwest Coast Path record in the past. And I uh, had conversations with them and I spoke about their methods. There's a uh, mental uh, um, 
coaching uh, guru, actually, who won a gold medal in the Olympics called Lanny Basham. He's an amazing guy. Um, I have a podcast myself. I had him on my podcast. And uh, he talks about the principles behind um, having a strong mindset. And he, one of the things he said, and it just stuck with me, he said, if you want to achieve something, who do you go to? You know, the person who has all the theory, the science and the philosophy, or do you go to the person who has achieved it? <laughs> you know, and for me, it was black and white. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the person who's achieved what I want to achieve and pretty much follow their guidance. So I didn't have a coach as such, but I reached out because, I mean, the truth is, if I did get a coach, would they have set an FKT? If I did have a coach, I would have to go to someone who would achieved what I want to achieve because otherwise they'd be talking from theory. So I need to be, so yeah, I was coached, but it wasn't paid coaching. I was coached off the past record holders. Very interesting. And I think we both, Rob and I agree with that. Um, and it's one of our sort of coaching ethos is, is, as we do as well as coach as well. And it, it makes such a difference with, with clients when they know that. Yeah. You've got to believe in your coach. And if they've achieved what you want to achieve, you can't not believe in them. It's that simple. <laughs> Even if they're like, did it 20 years ago and now they're fat and eating crisps and drinking beer. <laughs> they know it because they've been there. <laughs> Great. Christian, thank you so much for your time. Please guys go to christianultra.com and you can see his, uh, well, you can look at his, um, just gone FKT attempt and success and you can look ahead to your Appalachian Trail FKT attempt and if you have a spare well, like you said mate if someone can donate two to three dollars if they normally buy a coffee they can donate it to you that all adds up and makes a nice difference to you not and just for you uh, just just to say that I know um, it's Christian spelled with a K so just K-R-I-S T-I-A-N and then ultra as in ultramarathon.com. Yeah, I checked when I was 11 years old, my, uh, I was living in Australia and my cousin said, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you, you spelt your name with a K? So I took the C-H off and I added K on the start of my name and it's on my passport now. I, I don't know, it's just like some weird thing, but yeah, Christian Ultra with a K, guys. And on Instagram as well, yeah, Christian Ultra as well, I suppose. <laughs> Everything's Christian Ultra, like my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, my email, my website and my podcast. It's all Christian yeah. Ultra. And I believe you've got a book coming out this year as well. It's not this year. Um, year. I'm, I'm currently working with um, a published author uh, named Sarwat, and he's a good friend, um, an ex-run uh, coaching client. And um, yeah, we're working on my manuscript, my Ethiopia diaries. I did live in Ethiopia in the year of 2014 with elite runners for six months. Uh, diaried all of my experiences and I'm just converting that into a manuscript which hopefully should be out in the shops but no I wouldn't say this year potentially um, next year next year Brilliant. look forward to reading that yeah Christian, hey guys, I'd just so like to thank both of you um, for inviting me onto the podcast. You've, you've really, um, I've done a lot of the talking and <laughs> it's easy to talk, but yeah, really uh, thoughtful, engaging questions. And I think you guys are doing a great job and uh, yeah, thumbs up to you guys. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah. Christian, thank you so much. Your mum's a hero. <laughs> we will stay in touch and uh, yeah, we'll definitely be following your progress and uh Maybe when you get that FKT you, um, FKT, you can come back on and tell us all about it. Yeah, sounds good. And if I ever visit Dubai, I'll shout out to you guys and uh, let's uh, see if I can uh, 
uh, abstain from coffee and uh, you know uh, beat beat come to get the FKT for the coffee coffee abstination. Yeah, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll show you where Tom Evans set his uh, his hill FKT and let you try and take it off him. Not gonna challenge it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, nice one. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You. Rob Jones, I've just been emailed a leave form from you for six weeks <laughs> next year. It just came through whilst, uh, whilst we were podcasting, did it? Yeah, I don't know whether to sign it off or not, mate. What? <laughs> so I, I, the problem that I get with the wanting to crew for something that big is I would get complete FOMO. Yeah. I just want to get involved. Like at the weekend we did our, we were emergency crew for all the guys that were on their training day. Yeah. Um, their socially distanced runs. And it was, I just wanted to jump in. I wanted to go for a run. I wanted to cycle. I wanted to run again. I, it's just, it's really hard sitting still. It is. I actually jumped on my bike at uh, two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know what to do. That's right. I didn't bring, I didn't bring my bike for that reason. I thought, no, I need to be there for emergencies. Yeah. yeah. What a, what a uh, great guy, though. He's got some cool stuff going on. Yeah. I have, uh, I've crewed for Race Across America in 2016, and crewing is a whole different ball game. It's not easy. It's almost harder than what the athletes are doing because they have one job every day, and that yeah. is to either ride or run. And, but the crew has to, like you said, mate, they have to deal with uh, the, like, political side of it if you like they have to get on with the other crew they have to make sure the riders are all good and like we didn't sleep for six days it was mm -hmm. nuts so yeah. uh i think he's uh he's being smart with, with this year with i think i reckon he could actually do with a bit more crew though like three or four people instead of well, yeah i was i was thinking about this because i was obviously looking recently i was looking at mark uh i think he's called mark knight and just set the fkt for the colorado trail and he had five or six guys with him, I think, all the time. But I suppose mm. you look at crew, there's some guys that crew and there's some guys that sort of are pacers as well that will yeah. run with you. And I suppose I'm counting them as sort of miniature crew, if you like. So they're there, they're talking to you, keeping you mentally sane. And then your main core crew are the guys at the, the checkpoints, if you like. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that's but right. Definitely a few extra people could help. So if anyone has six weeks in the summer has a driving license and wants to go and support Christian, send him an email. Yeah, apply. Why not? Why not? Mate, you know how good at segues I am? Go for it. Why not apply for Project DXB? Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Tell me a bit it's about Project DXB. Three months. Yes. Of run coaching yes. towards Dubai Marathon or 10K. If it happens, if it doesn't happen, you'll be running a marathon or 10K anyway because we will arrange it and we will make it happen. It's the third year in a row, year one. You might have remembered it was just myself with 12 runners. Yes. Um, and it was a big success. Year two, we took on 24 runners. It was you and I. And it I was got a involved. huge success. You, some might say a bigger success. It, it possibly is my favorite day of 2020 so far was really? Dubai Marathon Day. Stood there with you playing Kaiser Chiefs Ruby as Ruby Guru ran through the final <laughs> uh three kilometers to go mark <laughs> i don't think she looked miserable before but she couldn't stop smiling for that 50 meter i don't know what her face was like when she went past us yeah, 50 yeah. meter stretch coming up to us <laughs> so good um so yeah it, and this year we, we're adding in a little bit more so we've got steph coming on board who's our mm. uh, 
running new running coach. She takes care of the ladies' run club, but she's also going to be on board as a, as a coach for this project this year. It's going to have also a new addition, which is a running gait analysis and uh, footwear analysis from On Running, who have been mm. our shoe partner for it uh, the past two years as well. And then, as always, we hook you up with a full kit stash and nutrition stash as well from our guys, our friends at Sported, who uh, supplies with Stealth Secret Training Gels, Runderwear, and a few other things say that I've forgotten. Loads of things. Exactly. And then obviously in a fight, deliver the stash. Definitely. It is 4495. It's cheaper than the last year, which was cheaper than the year before. Getting cheaper. It's amazing value more. for money, mate. But giving more. Yeah, giving more. 4495, that's AED dirhams. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how do gonna, I apply? Well, to apply, mate, let me get oh. there. You're gonna be part of a huge community <laughs> of other runners. You're gonna to get to come along to Track Tuesday coffee run we're going to do weekend runs with you uh you're going to get workshops so uh three different workshops delivered over the course of the three months to share as much knowledge with you can and this is why i think christian might apply for it we're doing coached yoga every monday with you guys for three months or for those successful applicants to apply you just need to email us endurance at innerfight.com say i want to apply for project dxb one of us will send you a link to our application form, but Rob Jones, it shuts mm-hmm. on 11th of October. And this comes out on Wednesday, which is Wednesday the 7th. So people only have four days left to apply. And don't rush the questionnaire because if you do, you get nexted. We talked about that on Jenny's show. If you yes. go back a few shows, listen to Jenny Wilson, who was part of our Project DXB uh, successful, if you like, intake last year ran a marathon she's still actually a huge part of the community she's just run 50k this weekend after cycling 50k so that was just not even the start that was just integrated her into our community now she's a key member correct and i want to highlight this if usually we we build this up to dubai marathon or dubai 10k in end of january but as you said if this race is not on we are going to organize our own event yeah. What's, I mean, at the end of three months, you're going to be able to run and have abs. Yes. Do you need a race to call it successful? I think well, Christian's just highlighted this fact that you do not need a race. You can make your own event. I looked up actually the only FKT in Dubai and it's uh-huh. from Burge to Burge. I love that. Do you know who's got it? Go on. He was a former guest on this show. No. Luke Nolan, long hair, don't Shh. care. Really? So the minute I am back running enough, he, he did it in one minute, four, uh, one hour, four minutes. The minute I'm able to run one hour, three minutes, that's my plan. How far is it? I don't know. Actually, you need to look at more detail. I just I actually know. sent it to you in a WhatsApp. Have you? <laughs> I've, I've got notifications off. <laughs> okay. I'm so going to do it. this. Do you know what I'm going to do? Thursday. It's on. It's on. It's done. It's on I'll support the- you, mate. I'll be your crew. <laughs> Tell your mum to relax. I'm coming in. Uh, I'll message Luke and see how he did it. Which of three ways? Yeah. I'm <laughs> Tell your mum I'm coming. It wouldn't, it, wouldn't, mate, it wouldn't surprise me if he ran down Shakeside Road. No, true, with his hair down. Mate, um, um, two th- other things Christian said. How important strength training is for his programme. Love that. Run strong. It's there. Go get it. Infight.com forward slash run strong. 
our mm-hmm. strength training program specifically for runners. You can buy one month, two months, three months, all the way up to six months. And that is six months of varied strength training for you to work on your stability, your power, and your flexibility. Talking of flexibility, another segue, mate. I'm nailing it at the moment. You, you keep cutting me off, but go. Go, we I love, love it. Yoga at, in a fight every day, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. There's no excuse to get injured during this time because you can come along, do your yoga class, then go out, head out for a run or pop down into the gym and do a class. We've got everything, mate. We've got you covered everywhere. I went and did, I went and did some yoga last Tuesday, it was, um, and it was fantastic. I, now, caveat to this, I generally hate yoga. Full disclosure. Did I hate this class? No. And I'm not just saying it because if I actually really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. There was, uh, it was a really good mix. There was, it was almost like strength yoga, to be honest. I, was, I had a real pump afterwards, but I was also super flexible. It, was, it, it felt fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm not into the strength. They tried, I went to a class last week and um, tried getting me to do that, that crow thing, you know, where you've got to pivot on your shoulders. Ah, next, mm. next. Just get, get my hamstrings more flexible and let's do some breathing. And I'm really happy and and the, the majority of the class was like that. It's great. But now they're going to do specific classes for yes. specific things. So yes. go and check out the schedule. Um, again, on the Inner Fight website, I think forward slash yoga, to be honest. And then you get the whole yoga schedule. And there's four hours worth a day. Amazing. All right. I'm done cutting you off. What else do you yeah. want to say? Uh, no, you, I'm fine. <laughs> so good. Brilliant. That's it. Show 51. Guys. As we said, please head to Christian with a K ultra.com. Check out his uh, homepage. If you scroll down, you will see the 2021 Appalachian Trail FKT attempt. And, I know what uh, I was going to say. I've got a minute of coffee. Let's go for it. For his mum. Christian doesn't need coffee. He, his mum definitely needs a coffee. Correct. Yeah, the Appalachian Trail, I was uh, just looking at how far it is because. I know it takes a very long time, you know, six weeks or something to get across. It is 3,500 kilometers. It goes across 14 states in the US and the elevation is 12 times Mount Everest. Imagine his ultimate spreadsheet fueling plan for that. Right. <laughs> you, need, you almost need a long wheelbase RV just for the nutrition. Yeah, yeah, correct. There we go. And if you want to read a book on the Appalachian Trail that is epic, go to uh, read Bob Bryson. I think it's called A Long Walk or Walk in the Woods, something like that. That's it. We'll be back next week. No known guest at the moment, but we might go find one. I've got one. Have you? Yes. Sick. Can't wait. (laughs) See you next week. Take care.